trying to make it real compared to what Harriet Tubman is running for her life. She is running for her freedom. We as Black women today, we want financial freedom. We want to be physically healthy. We want to be mentally fit. We want freedom from whatever ailments that are troubling us. For us, even though the circumstances were different, we still felt the urgency. This is something that needed to happen for a time as this because other Black women need to see that it's possible to overcome through extreme challenges because we're living in extreme times right now. Inspired by Harriet Tubman, 10 women dig deep, walking 100 miles in five days. Why? Coming up on the Janice Adams Show, we're celebrating Mother's Day with Girl Trek. Oh, the power of walking. First, the news. Trails of troubles, rows of battles, eyes of victory, we shall walk. This is the Janice Adams Show. Welcome. Inspired by the greatest Underground Railroad conductor of them all, freedom seeker, freedom fighter, Harriet Tubman, 10 women take on a challenge. Follow in Tubman's footsteps. They will walk the 100-mile route to freedom Tubman first took. Hello, everyone. My name is Sandria Washington. I am currently the Chief of External Relations for Girl Trek. Harriet's Great Escape. This was actually a journey of 100 miles, walked over five days, completed by 10 Black women. So it was the entire Girl Trek staff. We all agreed to take on this major undertaking in honor of Harriet Tubman. Uh, We've actually been celebrating Harriet Tubman Day, which is March 10th. We've been celebrating her day ever since 2013. So each year, girl trekkers from across the country would host walks in honor of Harriet Tubman. So this is something we've been doing for a while, but this is our first year of doing this 100 mile journey. And so of course, we wanted to, you know, set the precedence, we wanted to lead by example for our trek community. So the staff set out first to do this walk and then next year we're hoping to invite more women to take this journey. So we started Harriet's Great Escape on the eastern shore of Maryland, and we ended in Wilmington, Delaware. So our route actually traced Harriet Tubman's first great escape. That was our North Star. That was our intention. We really wanted to literally walk in her footsteps. Over five days, we were able to accomplish 100 miles of that. Harriet Tubman in Girl Trek's book, she really is the ultimate freedom fighter. She is the greatest example that we can have, particularly as Black women, of what it means to free yourself and then, of course, go back and free other people. So we're inspired by Harriet's story, you know, first and foremost, because she was fearless, or even in the face of fear, she went out and she did what she needed to do. So, of course, the first time that she escaped, she actually did it alone. 
So, you know, she left behind her husband, family, friends, and she went on this journey by herself. And so this kind of sets the blueprint for the work that Girl Trek does, because we ask women to save yourself from a health perspective. This is something that you can do on your own. You can get out, put on your gym shoes and walk 30 minutes a day, five days a week in order to save yourself. And then, of course, come back for your family and friends, invite them to walk with you as well. So we really use Harriet Tubman's story as a blueprint for that, a blueprint for Black women first saving themselves, but then, of course, coming back for your community and saving them as well. And then we also look at Harriet just as an example of unshakable faith and strength. I remember being on the walk last week and in my mind, I just kept thinking, how did she do this? How did she find the strength to just keep going hour after hour, day after day? You know, she's wading through water. She, she has slave catchers after her. She has dogs after her. How did she do this knowing the risk involved? And so for us as modern day women, you know, of course, we we aren't dealing with the same things that Harriet is dealing with. So we don't necessarily have slave catchers on us. We don't have dogs chasing us. But her story gives us an opportunity to look at what does it look like for black women in these times to be in captivity? What does it look like for black women in these times to be in search of freedom. So, you know, we're in bondage to different things. We might be in bondage to poor health. We might be in bondage to low self-esteem, bad relationships, um, low wages, just all these different things that we're facing in our current climate. But at the same time, we have the power within us to free ourselves. We have everything we need. We have that same fire, that same determination, that same strength and grace that women like Harriet Tubman have uh, to free ourselves. So she has just been the perfect example of what Girl Trek stands for. Well, you're walking 20 plus miles a day. You have a lot of time on your hands to really think about, you know, what's going on and and to think about the significance of everything. But we definitely discussed this um, in moments as we were walking together as a group. And then even um, after the walk, so each night we would have a nightly debrief about, you know, how we felt, what we were thinking. And so this has come up in, in conversation in various ways, but definitely a lot of internal dialogue, like literally trying to talk to Mother Harriet as as I'm walking, like, you know, please just give me strength. My knees were giving out on me. We had blisters on our feet. So definitely an op- a lot of opportunity for conversation. All of our stories were unique, but we definitely had some overlap. Some women were guilty about having to leave their families last week. You know, some of the women, they have small children, they have husbands. And so we were gone for an entire week for this journey. And so there was a lot of guilt. Women shared their experiences with depression. Um, We shared our experiences with feeling like as women, as Black women, we're, we're not enough 
or um, like we're not worthy of certain things. And so we really got an opportunity to be very intimate with each other, to really break down a lot of the things that we're dealing with that maybe, you know, our other sisters, our other women on the team maybe had no idea that we were dealing with. And so, you know, things like that were coming up in our conversations, but I believe and and I feel that it always came back to, you know, this walk that we're doing, this 100 miles that we're doing in in honor of Harriet Tubman, this is also giving us some of the answers. We are our own answer, right? So we have within us to put one foot in front of the other and literally just walk it out, walk in our purpose, walk in the direction of our healthiest life in in the direction of our most fulfilled life. And so we were just reminded of why we're doing this, to really test our strength, to, to test our faith, and to remind us that we are the answer. You know, it, it's not that we necessarily had to travel all the way to the Eastern Shore to discover that, but we were reminded of that. And then, of course, as we shared out the story through social media along the way, we were able to remind other women that they also have this strength and that they are the answer to those particular questions in their own lives. Harriet Tubman was a woman just like us. She was a woman who worked. She was a woman who loved. She was a woman who dreamed big and other people didn't always see her dream the same way that she did. Um, Some people were afraid, but she was a woman just like us who was able to do something so incredible. And then she came back and she helped other people do something that was really incredible. So she's even more real now because now we can actually put receipts to the fact that we we feel this kinship with her, that we feel this connection with her, that you know what? we are strong like Harriet. We are the daughters of Harriet. So we can go out and we can rally ourselves. We can get ourselves to freedom, but then we can also rally and get other women to freedom as well. After going through that and experiencing all the different highs and the lows and the challenges that that we faced, we realized that that we're women just like her. And at the end of the day, we were also able to to reach our, our destination and our goal. Amazing. I mean, in her time when people were accustomed to walking distances, mm-hmm. even then, that was a long, long walk. Yes. So <laughs> and how... we definitely felt it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So how in this time did you prepare yourselves to do a hundred, not only a hundred miles, but a hundred miles in roughly five days? Yes. So the interesting thing is, you know, as, as we looked at it in hindsight, we've been preparing for this walk long before it happened, long before the three weeks that we, I guess, officially prepared for it. I've been walking with Girl Trek for six years since 2012. And then the organization itself began around 2010, 2011. So all of us as a group, we've been accustomed to walking, making walking a regular part of our lifestyle uh, for the last few years now. But 
I think in the last three weeks, as we were trying to prepare for this, we really wanted to ramp up our efforts. So getting into the habit of walking long distances for long periods of time. So like for me in Chicago, I was going and I was walking along the lakefront for like eight miles. I think I did a 10 mile day, just trying to get my body readjusted to walking for such a long distance. But at the end of the day, you know, you you can't really prepare for 100 miles like that. You just don't know how your body will react. You don't really know um, what you'll encounter. So we just kind of had to put it in God's hands and just trust that, you know, our bodies would be able to hold up because of all the preparation that we've done, living active lifestyles and, you know, just trusting that really, this journey, this movement really is blessed and that each woman would be able to finish on March 10th. And, you know, we were able to do that. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. No. Turn me around. Stopping is not an option. (laughs) Turn me around. (laughs) Yes, yes. Keep on walking. Yes, yes. And we had to call on all the all the prayers, all of the old spirituals, you know, all the things that you know, the the mental, I think more than anything, it was that mental preparation, because of course you have to wrap your mind around walking a hundred miles. And then as you pointed out, doing that in five days, who does that? More on the Janice Adams show with our guest, Sandria Washington of Girl Trek after the break. Here on the Janice Adams Show with our guest, Sandria Washington of Girl Trek. In March, 10 women following in the footsteps of the legendary Underground Railroad conductor, freedom seeker, Harriet Tubman, walked 100 miles in five days, staking claim to their own freedom. Harriet Tubman, she really gave us the blueprint that this could be done. So we really didn't have an excuse. We couldn't really look at any physical limitations or or look at the fact that our generation of people haven't necessarily had to walk long distances like this. We saw that Harriet has done it. And because she can, we knew that we could. Okay. So here you are saying she gave you the blueprint, Mm -hmm. but she also was coming at this at a distinct period of time which we all know was crisis mode. So she did it. Her sense of who she was did it. Her sense of urgency made her do it. Her sense of spirituality allowed her to do it. What was the thing driving you forward that said this is relevant to today? So we are in crisis mode right now. And I always come back to the phrase that 
we were created for such a time as this. So of course, Harriet Tubman faced just a completely different set of circumstances. She was running for her life. She was running from slave catchers. She had dogs barking at her heels. Um, you know, she didn't have transportation. She didn't have all of these modern luxuries. So when I look at it, I look at us as black women and I look at the crisis that we are facing in this particular time. So we may not have slave catchers, we may not have dogs at our heels, but what does captivity look like for black women in this time? And so when I sit and think about it, I think about the bondage of um, mental illness. I think about the bondage of living with low self-esteem. I think about the bondage of uh, inadequate health care and, and dealing with different health challenges. You know, black women, we are, um, we have a higher propensity of uh, diabetes, obesity, heart disease. So when we're looking at crisis, yes, it's different, but it's just as urgent. We as a staff, we as Girl Trek feel that urgency all the same. Black women are dying and that is a fact. So when we thought about setting out for this journey, that's what kept us going. We wanted to help save Black women. That's been our mission from day one. How can we inspire Black women to take control of their health, take control of their communities through walking? And so on the flip side of that, we also have to think about what does freedom look like for Black women in this present day? So of course, Harriet Tubman is running for her life. She is running for her freedom. We as Black women today, we are doing the same thing, but it looks very different. So we want financial freedom. We want to be physically healthy. We want to be mentally fit. We want freedom from whatever ailments that are troubling us, whether it's mental wellness, whether it's diabetes, heart disease, et cetera. So we're all searching for that freedom as well. So for us, even though the circumstances were different, we still felt the urgency. We still felt like this is something that needed to happen for a time as this because other Black women need to see that it can be done and need to see that it's possible, that it's possible to overcome through extreme challenges because we're living in extreme times right now. Extreme times, how do you mean it when you say that? So I mean it on a few different levels. When I say extreme times, I'm thinking about, of course, health first and foremost, um, just looking at Black women overall and looking at the rates of diabetes, looking at the rates of heart disease, looking at how a lot of these things are happening even younger and younger. So younger generations are starting to be affected by ailments that maybe we wouldn't have even thought about, you know, until our, our 50s or until we were in our 60s. And so for us, that's extreme. You know, some people might be feeling a little hopeless or, or feeling like, oh, diabetes is something to be expected. Heart disease is something to be expected. This just runs in my family. Um, I know in my own family, my mother recently passed the end of 2011 and she was only 65. 
Um, I know for our co-founders, they've also dealt with something similar. Our co-founder, Vanessa Garrison, her grandmother passed at 66. She had another aunt who passed at 55. And so just hearing story after story like that and knowing this personally for ourselves, that's an extreme time. We think about what's happening politically within the U.S. and really around the world. When we think about what's happening right in our own com communities, as I mentioned, I'm in Chicago, um, South Side. I love the South Side. Um, but just thinking about the different things that I face even here in my own city uh, in terms of gun violence, in terms of gentrification, um, in terms of maybe street harassment, just all these different things that we deal with as black women um, that weigh on us, that, that take away from our sense of self and ultimately causes us sometimes to put our health on the back burner. We're always just, you know, carrying things on our shoulders. We're always just keeping it moving and maybe not taking the time that we need to really check in with ourselves and to say, hey, I am worthy to practice self-care. I am worthy to get out and take a walk and try to do something that's going to help me build strength to deal with all of the things that are happening around me. Indeed, I noticed in your press materials, you say that this is radical self-care at its yes. core. Yes. Now, you've mentioned uh, women who have some congenital illnesses, women who have uh, matters like uh, heart disease or diabetes in their family history, but as well... For women who don't have that, I want to start there for a moment, because so many people will say, well, so-and-so is okay. She's in a really high-profile, wonderful job that she loves. She's earning XYZ in salary. She's just fine. She doesn't have these worries. What say you? So I would say that I'm I'm probably a prime example of that that so and so that they would be talking about right so I am you know in pretty good physical condition you know fairly young not as young as I used to be but fairly young uh you know doing a job that I love I work with an amazing organization and life from the outside looking in looks pretty good and so of course people might say well you know why why focus so much on your health? Or, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, walking. But to that, I say everyone needs to be concerned about their health. And the reality is all issues, all things that trouble us, all types of weight or ailments, they're not always visible. Um, some of the things that I struggle with um, they aren't necessarily a physical ailment, but of course, there's those those times where I've dealt with depression. There's those times that I've dealt with low self-esteem. There's those times I've dealt with guilt. And then I do have to consider my family's health history. Both of my parents passed before the age of 66. Um, I have countless number of aunts that have passed at early ages. So even if I look physically okay, I have to remember the people who have come after me 
I'm sorry, the people who have come before me, but then I also have to remember the people who are coming after me. I have to be an example. Um, and so for any woman who is doing physically well and, and feels like you know she has it all together, she doesn't really need to focus on her health, she doesn't really need to focus on radical self-care, I would say really look at the people around you, look at the people who are coming behind you, your nieces, your, your nephews, cousins, husbands. Um, we're the light bearers. We as women, we as black women, we are the light bearers. People are following our example, uh, not just in our families or in our communities, but even the law, even the country overall, you know, we have power, we have economic power, we have political power. And so we have to exercise that we can't just rest comfortably if we believe we're in a comfortable position. Other people are are watching us and, and we have to lead by example. Here you are, you have come up with this concept of walking as a component of healthcare, a component of radical self-care, the mindset, I guess, to do it as a component. But what do you then set out as kind of the template so we've seen throughout history, of course, going as far back as Harriet Tubman, but then bringing it even more forward to recent times, looking at the civil rights movement. We've seen how change can happen when people get together and walk. And then more specifically, when women, when black women get together and walk. So we've seen this template work throughout history. And so as an organization, as Girl Trek, we really try to make it simple for women to, to execute uh, Girl Trek's mission individually. So really, all that we ask is that women commit, commit to themselves to walking 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Uh, a lot of women do that solo. They, we call them solo trekkers, but then women also get together and they walk as groups. So maybe they start a group in their local park, or maybe they start a group at their church. But we really try to, to keep the template very simple, giving women support and community around living a, a healthy lifestyle. And then mixed in with that, we try to make it fun. You know, we want to keep it exciting and engaging and really shift the perspective about uh, healthy living. Because sometimes when you think about health, it's not the most sexy thing. It's not the most fun thing. It's not the most exciting thing. It's a chore. And so we don't want women to see it as a chore. We really want women to see it as an opportunity for something good that they get to do. Not that they have to do it, but they get to do this. They get to go out and walk with their friends or by themselves, um, you know, five days a week, at a minimum, you know, some women walk every day, but this is something that they get to do for themselves. That's their time. That's going to make them feel good. Um, and that they can fully own, like they're taking ownership and they're doing something that really feels good for them. And then of course it contributes to the larger girl trek community. So now we're 125,000 women strong. And that happens simply with each woman individually deciding to commit to herself. 
You mentioned the fun of it, and of course, I can't resist mentioning that in the pictures that I saw, someone mm-hmm. definitely had on a little fluffy tutu. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that picture was taken. That was taken on day five. So on Harriet Tubman Day, the last day of the walk. And the beautiful thing about that particular photo, that moment, we had women, um, of course, from Delaware, but literally from all across the country who came to the finish line to meet us. And so a group of those women ended up walking the last mile with us. So they came out, they were ready. They had their tutus, their blue wigs, their blue socks, their signs, and they just greeted us with so much love. Because of course, I think they felt that our steps as as the core 10 weren't just our steps. Our steps were also for them as well. Absolutely, for us all. In in fact, what, what those images, and we'll share them on our website as well, but what those images communicated was what this is really all about, the lives that are really behind this message and preserving that sense of life and joy and everything else. So in that context, I want to ask you something about the flip side of it. You mentioned mm-hmm. Chicago. You mentioned violence. You know, this is this is undergirding so much of the national conversation. Do you see gun control as a matter as a health issue? Um, I would say yes to that is definitely um, an issue first and foremost. But of course, it can also be a health issue. Um, Now, we will probably have to dissect that a little bit more. Do we look at it as, is it um, related to a mental health issue? Um, But in that context, because I know at least for me here in Chicago, you know, some women have said that maybe they aren't always feeling like they can just go outside their front door and into their communities to walk because they're concerned about things like violence. So to that end, um, I just try to encourage women to see their walking and see the work that Girl Trek does as a little bit of the solution to that violence. So rather than being trapped in our homes in fear, we actually just get out there, we put on our blue shirts and we continue to walk. So when I'm walking around Chicago, I'm very aware of what's going on, but at the same time, I don't go out with a spirit of fear. You know, I don't go out feeling as if I'm a prisoner in my community. I love my community. I love the city of Chicago. It's beautiful. I love the South Side. And so that's what I try to put out as I'm going out for my walks, just really walking in that spirit of love and really just trusting that, you know, my steps are protected and that people who see me as they're they're driving by or as they're looking out their window, they see that blue shirt or they see me with a group and we all have on our blue shirts and they see that these are black women who care about what's happening in the community. They see that we are out here and we know what's going on in our community. So I think rather than taking a step back and just focusing so much on the violence, we take a more um, proactive approach and really try to carry ourselves as 
members of our communities, members of our communities who care about what's going on and can set, set the tone for the community in a way. When we come back, more with our guest, Sandria Washington of Girl Trek. We're back here on the Janice Adams Show with our guest, Sandria Washington of Girl Trek. Not just an organization, but a movement of 125,000 women nationwide. Since 2013, inspired by the life of Harriet Tubman, Girl Trek has been mobilizing women to walk for their lives, to free themselves and others. Hashtag We Are Harriet. Girl Trek was founded by Vanessa Garrison and T. Morgan Dixon. They actually met in college, um, became very good friends in college. And of course, they kept in contact beyond college. I think they were even roommates after they graduated. Um, They both had gone on to be really successful in their respective careers. They both had gotten married and you know, they were moving and shaking in life. They were doing some really, really amazing work. Uh, Vanessa was working in media and then Morgan was doing a lot of work in education. And so, you know, they were doing all these great things, but then it came to a point where they just had to sit and look at what was happening with black women in their families. So, you know, as I mentioned before, Vanessa's grandmother had died at a fairly early age. She had a number of aunts who died at a young age. Um, Morgan was overworked. She was stressed, um, just dealing with a lot of things um, personally, but then also in her family as well. And so the two of them were able to come together and think about what could they do that could help black women? What could they do to, you know, help us live longer? And then eventually it came to them that they would, um, they could get black women to walk. It could be something as simple as walking. It's free. It doesn't require a lot of equipment. And um, initially when Girl Trek started, they were working with young girls, um, girls in elementary school. But then they were able to tweak that a little bit and realize that if they shifted the focus to working with women, really focusing on black women, then, of course, as the black women became healthy, then they would be able to inspire younger children. They would be, be able to inspire, you know, their partners, other people in their families, their communities, et cetera. So definitely have to start with the vision of of those two women. And for a long time, it was just the two of them. So they were <laughs> Girl Trek. They were doing everything. They were the PR. They were the finance. They were uh, social media. You know, they literally did it all. Um, but because they had such a strong vision, it really made it easy for volunteers like myself to latch on to it. So when I found out about Girl Trek in 2012, it just sounded like the perfect thing for me. I knew I wasn't a runner. That was not my thing. That was not my ministry, but (laughs) I knew I could walk. And um, my mother had just passed a couple of months before I found out about Girl Trek. So I was really 
in a place of life where I was looking for ways to improve my own health. I didn't want to die early. Um, I have two nieces and a nephew and, you know, I wanted them to be hopeful about our family's health. And so when I found out about Girl Trek, it was just, I don't know, it was just like, yes, I want to be all in. I just loved everything that they were doing. So I started a team here in Chicago um, and it just, it was like a spark and it just caught fire in the city and all the surrounding suburbs. And pretty much my story is mirrored throughout the other women who work at, at Girl Trek as well. We all started out as volunteers, just as regular everyday women who um, decided to, to fall in line with the mission and just get out and start walking. Um, so when it came time for, for Vanessa and Morgan to have that ability to bring on people to help, to bring on additional staff, they really were able to look within the Trek community um, and bring people in. So we have women, we have women who are from New Orleans or who are based in New Orleans right now. Um, we have one woman who is in Atlanta. I'm in Chicago. Yes, in fact, um, let's let's because they were so important to this national um, Harriet Day. Harriet's Great Escape and, and the 100 Mile Trek. Let's go ahead and name them. Vanessa Garrison and yes, of Seattle, yes. Washington. Speak their names. That is so important. So, of yes. course, Vanessa Garrison, T. Morgan Dixon. We have Jewel Bush. We have Opa Johnson. We have uh, uh, China Lloyd. We have Adisha Brandy. Um, trying to see who else i'm who looking else at uh anika uh, jervis anika jervis also in new orleans carla harris uh, carla harris in atlanta nicole hub and nicole hub who is also in uh dc yes so i think that's i think that's the 10 of us i yes. think that's the 10 of you it raises the issue of then what is the business model? How does this organization work? And, and how do you keep it going as from a business point of view? Girl Trek overall has just been really fortunate to get funding from people who recognize the vision and, and see the critical need for, for what we're doing. A woman never has to pay to be a part of Girl Trek. Literally the same way walking is free, Girl Trek is free. You can just sign up to, to say you want to be a solo trekker or if you want to start a team. We -hmm. spoke about gun violence and I asked you whether or not that was, that could be considered a health issue. Gun control could be considered a health Mm -hmm. issue. But let me ask you about the hashtag Me Too aspect of this issue of black women and health mm-hmm. and what is happening in, in terms of women and gender harassment, gender oppression, and how that is impacting women's lives and women's health. Mm-hmm. So from when I always think about it, I, I, I often turn to what are the residual effects of that. So what are the the residual effects of harassment, um, misogyny, of 
of abuse, rape, molestation, like what are the residual effects of that? And so what you find is that women will often carry these stories. We, we carry them with us and we don't talk about it. Um, of course, now the hashtag has, has helped to open up this dialogue. Um, and it was, I mean, of course, going back to initially, it was created by a black woman. And even in that, you know, just looking at black women, black families, how often things are swept under the rug. We're often brought up with this idea that, you know, you don't talk about what happens um, in the house, outside of the house, or maybe you don't talk about certain things. Um, we even have a hard time talking about our health histories sometimes. You know, we don't know what great grandmother passed away from or what grandmother passed away from. So a lot of us have been brought up in this culture of silence and shame. And so when you add that together, that's going to automatically weigh on your health. It's, it, it'll manifest itself in various ways. So maybe it manifests itself in um, uh, not eating healthily. Maybe, you know, you're overeating or you're not eating enough. Maybe you're dealing with the depression of, of harboring all these things that have happened. And so, of course, that's going to affect your desire to want to get up and, and work out and take a walk or just to, to get up, period. Um, you know, just this loss of livelihood, this, this uh, enjoyment for life. And so even looking in the context of Me Too, that after effect of us just holding things in, holding on to things and living with shame, living with being silenced as women, being silenced as Black women, that's going to take a toll on the body um, in various ways, but in the form of stress. And a lot of people don't even think about stress as a killer, but it is. You know, your body is is just constantly in this state of a um, just a state of distress, and so that's that's weighing on us at all times. So I think it's very good that we're starting to have more of these conversations. That we're starting to be more transparent, that we're starting to call people out and tell our stories. I'm such a big proponent of, uh, of us, of women telling our stories, just you know, being a writer myself, but being able to lay claim and ownership to your story, that's freeing, not only from a verbal perspective, but freeing on your body, freeing from all the things that are weighing you down. So in that context of Me Too, it's definitely a, a health issue. One of the, um, you say women telling our stories. So mm -hmm. this is just a brief story of mine, which is there were a group of doctors on a panel and they were talking very disparagingly about black women being less likely to go to doctors. And they started relegating that conversation to whether or not they have health care, whether or not they have children, you know, and babysitting. And they were going to all of these things. But one of the things that struck me, and I did raise it in this meeting, was that another aspect of that 
issue of going to the doctor that we don't talk about is some of the biases that doctors have, even the way they were having this conversation, it became very obvious. So here you are talking about, especially with the history of gynecology in the United States and its experimentation on African-American women, unwilling African-American women. Here we have doctors being a little bit arrogant about it, and here we therefore have women whose lives depend, like everybody else, on going to the doctor, but we are going to a place where we have to undress and expose ourselves to people who are not necessarily sensitive or even professional where black women are concerned. So from that, I would ask you about the corollary of we've talked about what our responsibility to ourselves is as African-American women, but where do doctors and health working professionals have to meet us on this scale for this equation to work so that we can deal with this kind of radical self-care? No, that is a perfect, perfect uh, statement, perfect conversation to have, because it's not only on us as Black women, it's not only on us as the patient, it really is on the the healthcare providers as well. There have been studies that have shown that healthcare providers believe that Black people experience less pain than other people. So they're not always quick to provide Um, pain medication, or maybe they don't provide a high enough dosage of pain medication, maybe when you're going into a surgery or maybe for the aftercare, because they don't believe that we feel pain. They, you know, they have this perception that, um, and true that we're strong, but at the same time that we just don't feel pain to the same degree as other people. So, well, that is a hangover from the, from the plantation system. That's what that's from. Yes. And so we have to deal with, of course, that perception and doctors just not always seeing the humanity of black people or even seeing the humanity of black women. Um, I know there've been times I've gone to the doctor and, you know, I might mention something and automatically it's dismissed. Um, and I felt like it was dismissed because I was a black woman. Um, you know, women going to the doctor and, you know, without the doctor even doing a full exam, they'll automatically just say, lose weight, lose weight. You know, they're just looking at our bodies and looking at how they perceive our bodies that we're just these, you know, black women that are overweight and everything could be solved if we just lose the weight without even really doing a thorough exam to see what may be going on. What is the underlying cause of the weight gain? I had the experience when my mother became ill of, and to the credit of the doctors, I mean, to the credit of doctors the world over, she was rushed to the emergency room. She had an emergency rupture, rushed to the emergency room. They treated her. They saved her life. But after when she came out, I kept saying, you know, she is extremely heavy. 
she looks bloated. And they'd say, oh, they were very dismissive about it. And I kept saying, no, she is way overweight for her. There's something wrong here. And once again, they were dismissive about it. Finally, it occurred to me to bring in a photo that I had of her reading a newspaper. And not only was she reading the newspaper, but you could use a magnifying glass to see the date. I showed them that photo, we magnified the date, and all of a sudden they started swinging to action, running around in circles. She had been put on steroids for her care, but that steroid regimen had added about 60 pounds to her. But the perception was that a black woman who's 70 years old is a big, fat black woman. It was that stereotype, and it almost killed her. Stories like that break my heart because you as the daughter, how do any of us know how far to advocate for ourselves, how far to advocate for our loved ones? Like you literally had to go get a photo. They had to magnify it, you know, go through all these links. And I think for the average patient, we we typically – listen to what the doctor says. We trust the doctor almost blindly. We believe that they are the professional and, you know, they know what they're talking about. But at the same time, we're learning more and more that we just have to be persistent and we have to advocate for ourselves. And, you know, you're hearing more and more stories now, like even Serena Williams in her recent um, delivery, you know, she had a story of, of her experience in childbirth and, you know, just kind of how she had to advocate for herself. So we shouldn't have to do that. But again, it plays into those biases that people have that, you know, they kind of explain things away or, or are really dismissive. My goodness, look at the people who have no one to advocate for them when they are most vulnerable. Exactly. Which then brings the circle back to what we do in this circle of sisters to Mm -hmm. take care of ourselves. And then by extension, they always say if if a woman takes care of herself, that's (laughs) the whole family. Yes. Regardless of culture, that seems to be the world standard. So in order to, to bring it back full circle to Mm -hmm. this woman taking care of herself because that is the standard for how the family will be taken care of. Yes. Yes. And so with Girl Trek, we hope that we inspire women to, to recognize that it's okay to take care of yourself. You know, we, we often end up taking care of everybody else and putting ourselves last, if at all, um, And so we really just want to inspire Black women in particular to know that not only is it okay, but it is necessary. It is a necessity. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to. We we don't really have a choice about it um, at this point because we are so critical in this world. We are Black Girl Magic. We are the ones who are creating things and leading things and supporting our families and encouraging our families and our communities. So we have to be well and we have to be well first and foremost for ourselves. 
Today on the Janice Adams Show, our guest has been Sandria Washington of Girl Trek. For more about Girl Trek, music heard on today's show, and to see that fabulous, fluffy, pink tutu tricked out in honor of Harriet's great escape, visit my website, JaniceAdams.com. From the studios of WJFF, post-production Jason Dole, The Janice Adams Show is a production of Janice Adams, LLC, All Rights Reserved. Trying to make it real compared to what...